for us to, to, to be here with you this, uh, this morning and to share in fellowship together. Um, what I didn't tell you is that um, Mary and I are blessed to have two children. Um, we have a son and daughter, both adults, and uh, both attend the church that we attend in the city, uh, North Beach Baptist Church. Friends, this morning I'd like to share from Scripture from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 to 4. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, either the real book or uh, on a device, um, whichever way you have it, please open 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, I will read verse 1 to verse 4, and then we shall pray. <clears throat> so this is God's word from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 4. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Let us pray. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We, we thank you that this word is sharper than any double-edged sword that it penetrates deep, dividing bone and marrow, and that it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. And this is the same word that, Lord, you, you also use to teach us, to correct us, to, to rebuke us and train us into righteousness so that uh, we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, Lord, I pray that you may help us see Jesus through this word Help us love him deeply. Help us serve him with all that we have. And use me as I explain it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this, this morning I want to talk about shepherding the Christ way. Shepherding like Christ. And, and as you hear the word shepherding like Christ, you probably are thinking, oh, that's just for the leaders who stood here together with Matt and Sean. And it's, it's, not, it's not for me. Because that's, that's a word for really high ministry. It's like people who are up on top, who are supposed to be uh, listening to this. But you will notice from, from this passage that it's actually for all of us. It's for all of us. Just as, just as we were reading the declaration when, when I was inducting Matt and Sean here, in that declaration we read that this, it, we believe in the one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who gives gifts to all of us. And so with that declaration, I want us to also put this in mind. It's not, like, it's not like there's a special group of people, those who are standing here, that are gifted, and a few others. Everyone in the church is gifted in some way or the other. And everyone in the church must use their gift. I'm using those words very absolutely, must use their gifts to serve one another. A year ago, exactly a year ago, I met the national leader of Baptist churches in New Zealand. His name is Charles Hewlett. And he shared 
uh, with me and a group of other leaders that we were with, how his Christian leadership has been shaped by suffering around his own life. He said this. He said that the words of Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, which I will read, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. These words that he was, read, that he was reading to us from Philippians chapter 2 are words that have had a deep influence in his own life as he thinks about the suffering that, is, that has shaped his leadership. Now, he also said that his leadership has also been shaped by people around him, and especially people with severe intellectual and physical disability. And this is how it's happened. His own daughter, his own daughter was born with an inoperable brain cancer, and she died at the age of 13. She saw her life was marked with suffering from the time she was born. And this man lived with this suffering, seeing his daughter suffering for those 13 years. And his now 29-year-old son lives with cognitive abilities of a nine-month-old baby. He's only had those two children. But this man has served God with distinction as the principal of a Bible college in Auckland so for so many years. He's now the leader of Baptist churches in New Zealand, and he continues to share God's love with people everywhere. And whenever he does it, it's like that's the last person he's doing it in the world, really. In his suffering, he continues to serve God as if there's nothing else left in the world for him to do. Yet he's a great example of a man who loves his wife and his son dearly. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Christ was the most reliable person for Paul to say that about, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so in his life and in his leadership, if anyone was to look at his life and his leadership, they would say that Paul could say those words confidently. I'm imitating Christ. And so I'm urging you, imitate me as I do that. And Paul is also a person who experienced so much sufferings. And in his life, in his sufferings, he didn't complain. He continued serving. And through this suffering that he experienced, he grew by grace every day and could encourage other leaders to do, to do the same. And so as we think about this passage that I've just read, it's actually a passage that appears after a passage that talks about suffering in the Christian life. Early believers in the first century AD, their lives were marked by suffering. They were the minority group. The minority group in a Roman empire that believed in the worship of the Roman emperor. If you said Jesus Christ is Lord, you were actually saying Caesar is not Lord. And already you, by declaring that you're marked out as an enemy. And with that, they still had to serve the Lord. And many came to believe. And so from, look, from looking at Peter's words here, he's talking to people who understand suffering. Yet he's talking to them as if that suffering doesn't exist, but he's actually telling them, with that suffering that exists, continue to serve the Lord. 
and use your spiritual gifts. Listen, listen to what he says in, in chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. He says, Each one should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he or she should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he or she should do it with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Now, he's just said those words before, talking to elders now. And as he talks to elders about how to shepherd like Christ, he wants them to notice three things here. First, in verse 2. In verse 2, Peter says, Shepherd the flock of God among you. This means guide those who are around you. Help them. Guide them as if you were guiding sheep that do not know where there is grazing that they need to graze or where there is water where they can get water. That is, guide them with compassion, the way Jesus showed them how to. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus said these words. When Jesus saw the crowds, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, that's the kind of guiding that, that Peter is talking about. Guiding as if you're guiding people who do not know the way they should go with so much compassion, with so much patience, with so much love. But he's saying do this not to make a name for yourself, but for God's glory. Do it willingly for God's glory. Now, you, you, cannot, you cannot guide people your own way. You've got to guide them the way that Christ guides us. And so we have to pay careful attention at what we understand by, what, by the way guiding is even, is, even, is even written here. It's guiding with compassion, as I've mentioned. Guiding with so much care. And guiding with so much love. Now, how many church members out here are, are, are drowning in so much that they are doing every day that they can actually say, I don't think I can get time to guide someone else. I can't get time during the week to guide someone else to understand Jesus Christ. I think that that's, that's the way we always want to think about ourselves. We want to think ourselves, about ourselves as people who are so busy that we cannot get time to, to serve God. And because we are so busy we can't get time to serve God, it would be better for us to, to, it's better for us to give the, the best we can in, in terms of finances so that someone else can do it. Now, as, as, as I was seated there listening to, to Mark talking about, for instance, just the, the weeds that are around here, I thought, wow, this, this, is, this is a good example of how you could serve someone else without anyone's knowledge. And, and as he said, I'll say it again, because Sean is not in here, I can say it. It's, it's great that he's doing that, but that's just one out of the many of us who are here. The one way you can actually serve people without noticing, if you think, I don't have any gifts, is serve people without being noticed by just coming and pulling all, the, pulling all those weeds out. And you don't need to tell someone you did it. You just do it the way you, you can get an hour or two of your day and spend that hour doing something that is worthwhile. 
you have served the flock here without mention. So how do we also care for the flock? Well, in, the, in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21 to verse 23, it says these words. Um, Ephesians 2, verse 21, I'll, I'll, I'll read this. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so when, when we think about serving others, we think about what we are actually doing in building the whole body. It's not just what you're doing to, to help one person. That one person you're helping is probably going to get the example of, of serving and will also serve the other people in the same way. And so this is what Peter is saying, how we are supposed to serve each other. We are not supposed to serve each other thinking about what we are going through that makes us not be able to serve others, but thinking about the Lord who we glorify when we are serving others. That's what Peter is saying. And so don't make those excuses that you make, but unashamedly serve others. And Peter also talks about how others are serving by taking advantage of other people. There are people who are serving others by taking advantage of them. And, and we are full of that in the church of Christ today. There are many who are actually starting churches so that they can get, gain something out of it. Gain money out of it. Sometimes gain, gain fame out of it. Gain a, gain a name out of it. But Peter is warning, do not do that. Do not do anything as a form of service for your sake or for yourself. And he's also warning us in verse 3, do not do anything with an attitude that domineers over others. Do it with so much humility that when, when you're serving others, they are actually wondering why you are serving them. Not serving them with an attitude that wants to domineer over them so that people can actually see that, wow, what a, what a gifted person this is. No, they should actually ask themselves, why is this person serving me like this? I don't deserve to be served like this. But they're pouring out their time. They're pouring out everything for your sake. As if you are the only person left to be served on earth. Now, as, as I started, I told you that my, my family, we attend North Beach Baptist Church. One of the reasons why we attend that church is because of a lady who went to be with the Lord a couple of years ago. Her name is Eleanor Daniels, and her, son is right, her grandson is right here. Eleanor Daniels was an, an attendant of that church. She was, she was not a leader in the church. She was a person who attended that church. And about seven years ago, when my son was about 16, um, we visited that church. We were looking for a church at that time. We were searching for a church. And as we were about to leave, as we were about to leave, we were now looking out for each other. My wife and I were standing at the entrance, uh, looking out for our children so that we may go home. Um, we saw our son standing by the foyer, talking with Eleanor Daniels. And they were talking like two equals. And they kept talking and talking as if there was nothing else happening. And we, kept, we, just, we were just waiting, wondering, what's happening here? And the, the chattering just continued. 
And we, we, after, after they finished, our son came and we, we, asked, we asked him, so who's that? And she, she said, he said, um, I, I, just a lady who comes to church, I don't know her. And, and, and I thought, wow, that, that was an intense conversation. We didn't ask, what were you talking about? But the fall, that, fall, that week, that's about four days later, as I came back home from the office, my wife tells me, oh, we were visited by someone from church this, uh, this afternoon. And I asked her, who was that? And she said, that lady who was talking to our son, Jesse, on Sunday. And I'm like, oh, really? She, I don't think she's, she's a pastor in that church. And, and, then, and then the following Sunday, as we went, we kept going to that church. I, I saw her doing the same with many other people. Now, Eleanor Daniels exemplified active caring in that church. And I later got to learn that there were almost a hundred people who started attending that church because of her and what she was doing. What a legend. She didn't have a position that you could say she's an elder or a pastor there. But it's because of the way that she poured out her life for others. Her compassion for others was just so exemplary that people would find themselves drawn to be there. That is Christ-like care. You don't think about what position am I in. You don't think about what am I getting in it. There's nothing to get in it but to, uh, but to give glory to God out of it. So that is the active care that I'm talking about. It's exemplified to us by Christ, but we, we can do it. So secondly, after being active, active uh, serv servants, we need to be also active in, in, our, in our examples. Look at verse 3, part B. This is, what, this is what Peter writes towards the end of, of part B. He says, Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Now, when Peter writes this, he's writing as a person who definitely remembers how he has failed Christ. This is the same Peter who denied Jesus three times. We read about him, how he denied Jesus three times. Yet this is the same Peter who Jesus appeared to, and three times Jesus asked him, Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me more than these others do? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you really love me? Feed my lambs. And three times this Peter hears this, and he's like, Lord, you know how much I love you. You do know how much I love you. You know everything. You know how much I love you. And what follows after that is a different Peter. It's a Peter who's not afraid to serve because of the suffering that will come because he's serving Christ. It's a Peter who invites others to serve Christ the way he himself serves Christ. It's a Peter who understands the example of suffering as he saw the example of suffering, Christ serving him at the cross. And now he knows how to serve others putting his life at risk. He's now the example to others. Now, as, as he says that, he's saying that still at the backdrop of, 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 a con of a context where these same disciples are living with teachers of the law who like honor, teachers of the law who like to be known as knowledgeable, they know the law, and teachers of the law who like high places. And Jesus warned them as disciples against that. 
Listen to this warning in, in Luke chapter 14, verse 7 to 10. There are bad examples. Those bad examples are for us to discern and say, I can't be, that's not Christ. That's not Christ's example. And so there will be bad examples, probably even among us. Those bad examples are not for us to gossip about. It's for, it's for us to say, by God's grace, I can see a bad example, but I'll follow the example of Christ. This is what Luke chapter, chapter 14, verse 7 to 10 says. Jesus taught his disciples when he says this. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all other guests. Now, Jesus is teaching his disciples here about the, the understanding of greatness. And Jesus' understanding of greatness is completely different compared to the understanding of greatness of, his, of the culture of his day. The understanding of greatness to him is one that takes the place of humility. One that takes the place that is unknown. Not a, great, not a place of greatness. Now, there, there has been, including in the church, there has been teachings about leadership with greatness as if greatness is what actually qualifies us to serve. But in Christ's way, it's actually humility that qualifies us to serve. It's very different. So in God's kingdom, service is completely different from the ways of the world. The ways of the world is like when you have that title, that's when you qualify to serve. But the ways of Christ is you serve without titles. You serve with the position of humility. The only title that makes you qualify to serve is one that says, I am a child of God. And when you take that position, you're not going to wait for people to serve you. America once had a president who, uh, who was imploring them to learn to serve each other because they were living in a, in a system that... Uh, everybody is waiting for the government to do something for them. And, and, and John F. Kennedy said, do not ask what America can do for me. Rather ask, what can I do for America? That was a stance of service. It's a stance that says, what can I do to make this a better place? What can I do to make this person a better person? That's the example of service that Christ left us. Now lastly, as we think about serving each other, there's, there's, there's a strange statement in verse 4. And this is, I'm calling it a strange statement because when you think about serving, uh, this statement almost doesn't kind of come in in a, in a fitting manner. And then it says this, And when... When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. He's talking, Peter is talking about Christ himself and he's talking about Christ's appearing. Now, how does Christ's appearing fit into service? In verse 4, Peter is encouraging believers to have a futuristic perspective in everything. 
Think about Christ not just seated in heavens, in the heavens, in the heavens as at God's right hand, but think about him as the one who is returning, returning to bless those who have served him in his using his example. In other words, we as we are serving him here on earth, our minds should be heaven wound. Our minds should be heaven thinking about heaven. And so the connection that we see here is that Christ's return and my life here are interconnected. I think about Christ's return as the, as, as the encouragement that makes me serve someone else. I'm serving someone else expecting that there's a day that Christ will return. He's the one who has called me to serve others. He's the chief shepherd. That's what Peter is saying. And so he's saying the end is drawing near. And as the end draws near, think about serving everybody as you think about the return of the Lord. Therefore, this is what Peter is saying. Be clear-minded about heaven. Be clear-minded about the return of Christ as you continue serving each other. Because the person who served, the person who served us is seated as God, at God's right hand and he's about to return. And so serve him as you anticipate his return because he's the chief shepherd. He's the one who has called us to this role of service. Now James chapter 5 verse 8 tells us how we should stand firm as we wait for the Lord's coming. But that standing firm is standing firm while serving others. How are you serving people around you? Have you been waiting to be elected into a title, a position, so that you can start serving others? You don't need any title. You already have one great title, and that title is you are a, a servant. Start serving. If you do not know what gifts you have for service, probably it's a good time for you to start talking to Matt about that. And it's very easy for him to guide you to understand the gifts that you have. It's very easy. It's for him to basically just tell you, this, this, this are the, these are the definitions of the gifts that we have. And out of each definition, this is what I already see you doing around us. That's your gift. Continue using it. And when you're continuing to use it, use it in humility. Not because you must, but because you care for the people around you that Christ wants you to love. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you as the chief shepherd, has, you have equipped us with everything possible to serve you. You have equipped us with many gifts and you have also equipped us with your spirit who empowers us and makes us bold not only to be your witnesses but also to find ways that we can serve others. And so, Father, I pray now that as, as we think about how we can serve someone else, that, Lord, you would give us a heart of humility, that, Father, you would help us not to do any form of service for a name for ourselves, but for your glory. And so, Lord, we ask that you may use us as we serve each other. In Jesus' name, amen.